The news that Golden's disgrace had driven her to take her own life had reached Baoyu as he was returning from his interview with Jia Yutsuo, and he was already in a state of shock when he went in to see his mother, only to be subjected by her to a string of accusations and reproaches to which he was unable to reply. He availed himself of the opportunity presented by Bao Jai's arrival to slip out quietly again, and wandered along, scarcely knowing where he was going, still in a state of shock, hands clasped behind him, head down low, and sighing as he went. Without realizing it, he was drifting towards the main reception hall, and was, in fact, just emerging from behind the screen wall that masked the gateway leading from the inner to the outer part of the mansion, when he walked head-on into someone coming from the opposite direction. Stand where you are, said this person in a harsh voice. Another installation of Rereading the Stone. This is Kevin Wilson, joined by William Jones. Will. Hello. How's it going? How are you doing today? Good, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, honestly, apprehensive about doing this episode. Not my usual excited self, because this is, um, uh, I guess, kind of much more violent and shocking than many of the episodes we've dealt with so far yeah you know th this one's a, a major confrontation between Bao Yu and his father uh so it's it's kind of a mm. uh a clash of the ages maybe one of the most um famous conflicts uh of the entire novel mm. yeah I, I, and i think the thing that's so well certainly was so shocking to me is that whereas we have had you know depictions of violence of death and other I guess other things of a similar nature. This one is much more, to me, kind of intense and maybe kind of visceral. Right. Yeah. Um, you can feel the suspense. Uh, it's as if um, maybe uh, Bao Yu's life is on the line, and it's only uh, through the uh, timely intervention of um, the rest of the household that he is. That's the uh, you know how he is saved and so I, I thought for this chapter there's a lot to talk about there's less to discuss in terms of you know language or specific literary references there's no poetry um but there's a lot to talk about in terms of the uh kind of the interaction between the characters uh and as you said before the show uh like kind of sociological concerns yeah, you're right. There really is. There's no poetry in this in this chapter. There really is nothing beautiful in the chapter at all. Right. Yeah. So it's it's definitely maybe it's down in the dirt again, uh, mm. and maybe because it is this uh, 
uh, I guess, father on son conflict that it, uh, mm. it it's like um, impossible to to represent uh, using the uh, the imagery of dreams and, and poetry and, and the stuff we're, we're used to. And so maybe that that's what mm. contributes to like the, the jarring character of what of what is about to happen. So shall we have a quick um, uh, recap of what happened last time and what will happen here? Okay, yeah, great. Yeah. So in the, in the previous chapter, we have the we're we have the visit of uh, their cousin, uh, Shi Xiangyun. Uh, so she's a teenage girl, about the same age as many of the other characters, or maybe a, a year or two younger, that sort of thing. Um, and so she and her her maid Kingfisher had found this golden Qilin emblem. So a kind of mythical Chinese creature uh, in the garden while wandering, uh, and they'd gone round to visit her cousin Bao Yu, our central figure, uh, who had been hoping to give that to her, and then realised that he'd lost it, only for her to present it to him. Anyway, so Xiang Yun has come round to Bao Yu's house, and she's speaking to uh, Bao Yu's main maidservant, uh, Aroma Xi uh, Ren, uh, and they chat about various things, uh, including Xiang Yun's new uh, engagement to be married. Uh, but as well, also they talk about kind of their the friendship between them, uh, and some also some embroidery work that Aroma has to do. Meanwhile, um, Bao Yu's cousin Lin Daiyu and his kind of main love interest uh, has has snuck round to spy on them. Uh, she overhears Bao Yu praising her in front of the others, and she's filled with a kind of mixture of emotions, including happiness but also regret and kind of sorrow, and she sneaks off. At this point, Bao Yu is called away to meet with uh, a clansman of the family called Jia Yu Cun, who we met in the first chapter and who we've seen throughout the novel. And on the way, he sees Dai Yu ahead of him on the path. Uh, so he runs up to catch up with her, and they have a brief argument, uh, and she leaves. Meanwhile, Aroma, Bao Yu's maidservant, has realized that he's left without his, his fan, and it's the heat of summer, so he'll be too hot. So she chases after to give it to him. She sees him speaking to Dayu, and once she sees Dayu leave, she hurries up behind to give him the fan. Now, Bayu, in a in a daze, mistakes her for Dayu and confesses uh, his feelings for her before realizing who it is and um, running off ashamed. Then Bayu's other cousin Xia Baochai uh, arrives, and she and Aroma talk a bit. Uh, suddenly, they're interrupted by a servant who tells them that uh, the maid servant. Golden, who was recently dismissed from Lady Wang's service, so that's Bao Yu's mother's service, uh, has drowned herself in a well in the garden. They're very shocked by this, and Bao Chai goes to comfort Lady Wang, uh, and that's more or less where we leave things. Um, and in this chapter, Bao Yu, having finished his, his meeting with Jia Yu Cun, uh, he goes to see his mother, and she, she in fact kind of blames him for her death. Um, and he's in this kind of daze where he's so shocked by Golden's death uh, and by his mother's harsh words and his recent conversation with Dayu and his kind of confession. And he walks headlong into his father uh, without noticing. Kind of, He's so caught up in his thoughts that he doesn't see his father and walks headlong into him, who gives him this kind of sharp dressing down. At that point, a servant from another noble household arrives. Now, this servant's master is the prince of Zhongshun, uh, who's a very kind of high nobility, higher even than the Jia family, we think. Uh, and he's come looking for an actor named Bijou, who Bao Yu is friends with, who we met in a previous chapter. 
Bao Yu denies knowing him, but his denials come undone when the servant recognizes the belt uh, that Bao Yu is, wear is wearing, which was a gift from Bijou. Bao Yu's father is now very angry at this embarrassment, and uh, at this point he sees his other son, Jia Huan, so this is Bao Yu's younger half-brother, running through the courtyard. Uh, he demands to know what Jia Huan is doing there instead of studying, uh, and Jia Huan says that he just saw Golden's body being lifted out of the well where she drowned herself. Now, Jia Zheng, Bao Yu's father, he had previously not heard about Golden's death, and so he demands to know what happened to cause her to commit suicide. And Jia Huan lies and says that Bao Yu actually sexually assaulted her and then beat her very badly, causing her to commit suicide in shame. At this point, Jia Zheng is now basically incandescent with rage, uh, and he decides to beat Bao Yu very severely with a cane. Uh, and he's actually on the verge of killing him when Bao Yu's mother, grandmother, and other family members intervene to save his life. Um, and that's more or less where the chapter ends. Yeah, wow. So it's it's a short chapter, uh, but it's highly eventful. Yeah. Just one thing before we start. I remember last in the last chapter, when we were reading ahead, giving the um, the subtitle for this chapter, the subtitle is An Envious Younger Brother Puts in a Malicious Word or Two. So that's Jia Huan telling a lie about Bao Yu. Uh -huh. And a, a scapegrace elder brother receives a terrible chastisement. And you were wondering what scapegrace meant. Um, so in English, it means a kind of mischievous young child, uh, like a badly behaved young child. The the Chinese original is a bu xiao, which literally means like a degenerate, unworthy of one's parents, that kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, so that's, I think just as a little aside, an interesting way of understanding how um, Jia Zhang perceives his son. Um, yeah, as a like a degenerate, you know, not yeah, absolutely, uh, not you know, not not worthy to the line, a bad seed to the the Jia name. That's gonna that's gonna come up actually. It's gonna be really highlighted um, as we'll see in in Lady Wang's uh, reaction to the incident. She has some really kind of yep. choice yep. remarks uh, that are highly revealing, and so we'll, we'll, I'm, I'm mm. sure we'll discuss that in turn. Um, how about we jump right in? Sure, sure. So this this chapter kind of, it, it starts off, um, should we begin discussing uh, like Bao Yu basically moping around? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of like the first, that's what I have in my notes, you know. Uh, so we saw at the tail end of last chapter that Bao Yu's mother wanted to give um, more than just the usual couple of tales of silver to Golden. I think partly because she was such a kind of long-serving and close maid, but I think also because she feels this like deep sense of guilt. Yeah, yeah. And among the things she wanted to give was a, a new pair of grave clothes, and Bao Chai offered some clothes that she'd recently made for herself, uh, that she could donate them. And so she goes off to get them and brings them back, and when she returns, she sees Lady Wang scolding Bao Yu. So we, we don't know exactly what she would be saying, right, but... I guess what we know about the the original scene in question, it was, you know, it was a hot summer's afternoon. Lady Wang was having a snooze and Golden was kind of quietly massaging her legs while she slept. And Bao Yu sneaks in and he starts kind of trying to chat up uh, Golden. He he's, he's making kind of somewhat suggestive sexual remarks to her. Mm -hmm. um, 
and his mother overhears and in the moment she blames Golden and she strikes her and, and, and fires her on the spot. Um, and that's the reason why she's dismissed from service, right? Um, and so that very much is his fault and presumably that's, she's she's kind of, she's saying something along those lines by way of, by way of I guess, chastisement. You know, I imagine her, uh, her argument with Bao Yu would be over his share of the blame, right? So even though she like had framed it as if Golden uh, had been um, seducing Bao Yu, I think on a certain level, she knows that that wasn't exactly the case, right? Um, mm. And so I'm, I'm sure part of that came out in her uh, aggression toward Bao Yu in that moment. Yeah, she's probably not in the most uh, stable emotional state at the moment. Yeah. You know, uh, nobody would be, I think, is, is the thing. And so she's, yeah, unlikely to be very, like, fair or even-handed in her criticism of him. Yeah, right. Um, and so actually, uh, Bao Yu uses uh, Bao Chai's arrival on the scene as a kind of a, a distraction to slip away uh, and to sort of yeah. And this is the, this is kind of the uh, the the moping state, uh, which the mm. chapter um, opens on. And and so I get the impression that he's in that kind of teenage feeling sorry for yourself, everything's my fault kind of. Um, yeah, you know, lost in thought, but a kind of a dreary. It, it, it's he's described, you know, having his hands clasped behind the back, and so you can imagine kind of like looking mm. downward, because um, your whole body reclines forward on account of that. And so it's also uh, sets you up for maybe knocking into somebody because you're not really watching where you're going. You're sort of um, just sort of yeah. staring at the yeah. ground. And so this is the state in which he, uh, yeah, he like collides with his father. Uh, and that really sets the tone for this chapter, I would say. Um, yeah. So he clatters headlong into his father. Um who, as we've seen time and again in this novel, is kind of his his like uh, boogeyman. You know, he's he's the character who Bayou always wants to avoid. Their interactions never bring any kind of remotely positive outcome for him. <laughs> yeah, basically, uh, the the closest thing to a positive interaction was their uh, like the poetry contest when the garden opened, and even that kind of ended in nearly ended in blows. I think. <laughs> hmm. So he, he in his usual way, is displeased with his son. And initially, the source of this like displeasure is um, because Baoyu was not his usual lively self when speaking to Jiayu Tun when he visited. And, you know, so this is... Um, he, he's not being a team player, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Something like that. He doesn't like Jiayu Tun. He thinks he's fake, <laughs> ironically. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's funny. He thinks yeah, he's funny. He thinks he's funny. In the Holden Coalfield kind of way. Yeah, he's really uh, ja, as it were. You know, like yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. and now, in addition to that, he sees his son, and he's kind of moping around. Uh, he is, he has a dejected appearance. The phrase his uh, father uses. It's a, a, another one of these. Um, our favorite uh, four character set expressions is uh, uh, "treto sangchi." Hanging one's head, uh, crestfallen, uh, as you said earlier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's so. That's the state he's in. And so when he, when his father questions him about, you know, 
what's going on? Why is he in the dumps like this? He, he, yeah, he's not able to respond, right? He usually he's quite quick-witted, but this time he, in fact, he wishes that he, he was dead in place of Golden, so that he wouldn't have to, have to deal with this. Uh, I would say he is kind of. Um, this isn't the first time we've seen him sort of in a daze, right? But it's not been usually in front of his father. He's been dazed before by Dayu. He's been dazed mm. by Bao Chai. Um, yeah. But maybe this is the first time he's been like just uh, a more, uh, I guess, like a uh, a more general haze. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, is enveloping him at this yeah. at this moment. And so he, yeah. he he almost he's not ready. He doesn't have his usual defenses. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, yeah, he's. Jia Zhong is about to speak again when a visitor arrives. A visitor is announced. And it's um, a servant from the Prince of Zhongshun. And this prompts confusion on Jia Zhong's part, right? He doesn't he doesn't understand why the Prince of Zhongshun. So we we talked about this before, right? There are these like royal princes that we met four of them before. And each one of those four is named after uh, a point on the compass and the word for peace. Um, and so this is a fifth prince, Zhong Shun. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, Zhong, in this case, actually not being middle, uh, which is also Zhong, but here being Zhong being like, it's kind of like loyalty, and Shun is like uh, obedience. So he's the prince of he's the prince of loyalty and obedience. Um, so a very Confucian name, you think, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This chapter is all about uh, Bao Yu's, the question of Bao Yu's uh, filial uh, piety, right? And so I wonder if that's kind of like uh, this is, you know, symbolically uh, kind of um, the moral order uh, intruding upon this um, space in some way. I don't, I don't know. Uh, you know, you say I, I hadn't thought about that until you said it, but even though it's a different Zhong, uh, maybe he is a center prince, you know, or something. Maybe there is kind of like because actually the character for 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 yeah. Jung for um yeah like piety uh devotion right it's actually it's it is the mm. same character for center above a heart radical right and so if you if you were to yeah. read yeah. the character out it would be like it would be like uh Jungshin, like like center right uh oh that's a good point actually yeah yeah and there's a lot of visual punning uh in this book um we've seen some of it before um like playing with Playing with the visual aspects as well as the the like the the audio aspects of of characters, right? And and so like follow the center. That's kind of like that's that's similar to the the idea of like the the mean path, mm. right? That you hear a lot about. Yeah, and also Zhong is normally as a Confucian value contrasted with Xiao, so Xiao is filial piety. So that's you know respect and obedience for one's parents and ancestors like essentially those above you in age within your family and Zhong is the same attitude but to your social superiors basically so it's your your emperor and everyone flowing down from that basically the the relationship there is governed by Zhong basically so so I guess there's a contrast here between the the prince of Zhongshun who is the the I guess sort of the the symbol of like loyalty or obedience to you know uh state or government or, or whatever versus Baoyu who is the antithesis of I guess Xiao the filial piety he's he's very very bad at that <laughs> at that side of things 
Right, right. And so there's some question of if he's if he's unable to be uh, filial, then if he's if he's unable to be devoted to his family, he's also going to be unable to be devoted to the state uh, once he gets some kind of like official occupation. Right. Yeah, I think he doesn't he doesn't really have any of the Confucian principles, does he? He doesn't abide by any of them, really. No, Um, no. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I guess that's the question, right? Mm -hmm. So the this servant who's come to pay them a visit is the uh, Zhang Fu Guan. So Fu is like a household. It's like a noble word for like a noble household, basically. Guan is like a servant. Uh, so Fu Guan is like servant of the household, and Zhang Fu Guan means like chief servant, basically. So in the Hawks English translation, he's called the Chamberlain, um, and I think maybe like. We could use whatever term we want to refer to this figure, but I guess the important thing to note is that he's essentially he is the chief servant of the household of the prince of Zhongshun's household, and so even though he's a servant, he's actually I think extremely high status. And were it not for the fact that he, uh, maybe you you felt differently about this, but were it not for the fact that he is a servant and Jia Zhong is a nobleman, he would I think almost be higher in status than Jia Zhong. Oh, maybe, yeah. That's a good point. He certainly carries himself with like a, a degree of like authority and confidence that you wouldn't necessarily uh, expect from servants. And, and Hawks does a really good job of rendering how you know precise his speech really is, right? Yeah. And so as, um, I guess, ceremony and ritual dictates, they perform like certain bows and salutations and then uh, tea is served. But rather than approaching the point in a kind of roundabout way, as they usually would, uh, the Chamberlain cuts straight to the point. Um, mm-hmm. So he says, usually I wouldn't intrude, but my master has sent me here with a specific request uh, to ask of you. Uh, and, you know, both he and I would be very grateful if you would comply with that. And this, this uh, actually, in my mind, is part of the reason why I thought he is quite high status, because normally, who cares if what the servants think? like politely but you know like the way he says not only would my master be pleased but also i and all of my colleagues were would and you know ordinarily i think it's beneath the concern of a, a noble to be held in the esteem of the servants of another household i suppose um but uh, maybe not in this case yeah if he were lower status his like own personal labor would almost be uh unmentionable mm-hmm. right it would be uh, socially, uh, yeah, impermissible to mention something so trifling in front of someone so important. Yeah, uh, which I guess I supports your your idea that yeah he is himself high status. So what what's the um, what's the favor he's come to ask? So this is the issue. Um, we will recall that Shui uh, Pan has Bao Yu attend a a party that he's organized. And one of the participants yeah. uh, at that affair was a uh, a young actor, a, a female impersonator, whose name uh, Hawks is rendered Biju. Uh, in, in the in the Chinese, it's Qiguan. And apparently, uh, he's gone missing recently. And word has gotten out that uh, he and Bao Yu were, um, you know, rather chummy at the time. You know, Bao Yu. Had not 
prepared a proper uh, meeting gift. And so he had actually given um, Biju a sash that he was wearing at the time, which actually he had forgotten that um, Aroma had um, knitted for him. And in return, uh, Biju had, had given uh, Bao Yu his sash. So they did kind of a uh, sash swap, if you will. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and it's kind of an important uh, plot point because uh, it turns out that Bao Yu is wearing that uh, that sash at this very moment. And it's going to be fateful in a way. Yeah. And so it's interesting here that uh, apparently uh, this actor, he's responsible to the emperor, or, or rather to... Uh, the prince of uh, Zhongshan. And so his his absence hmm. has activated this kind of a search party. It makes you wonder, you know, what is the state, the st- what is the actor's status? Is this something uh, akin to slavery? What's what, what exactly is going on here? This is another, this is one of the uh, sociological moments, I, I thought. Mm-hmm. What's the, like, what kind of, um, what does this scene represent about this society? Well, um, there is quite a telling remark in something like chapter two or three, where Jiayu Tsun is meeting with an old friend in the tavern, and they get to talking about human nature. And this friend, I think, remarks that there are certain different classes of people, or types of people, depending on the kind of mixture of good and evil in them. And he said there's one kind of people, uh, and this group includes actors and prostitutes. And I think that my reading of this is that maybe the line is very blurred in some cases here and that yeah bijou is kind of um is an actor professionally but perhaps is also is also a, a kind of courtesan uh, the the belt the the sash in question you mentioned this this bright red sash um when he gives it to Baoyu, he mentions that he actually just recently received it from not the prince of Zhongshun, but actually the prince of beijing so Northern Peace, this other royal prince. And I suppose that made me wonder, you know, if he's doing, if he's receiving gifts and being this really kind of indispensable servant to multiple different high nobles, I think there's maybe something more going on than just acting. Maybe. Okay, yeah. What What? what did you think? Um. Well, yeah, so maybe this is, uh, I... I assume this to be at least a partly sexual relationship um he's already a member of, like the, the the liminal third category that uh Jayutsun develops in that chapter you mentioned um yeah at, at the same time that uh yeah because he, he's a female impersonator that might be more um that's yeah you know, it's interesting that's also a a liminal category in a way but apparently he has um left quite an impression and so his absence is uh i mean it sounds like this is a, a a rather extensive search party that's been uh activated you know you know Baoyu's strategy here maybe is not the most well well advised you could say so Baoyu basically claims no knowledge of this uh of this actor and, and so like mm-hmm. it seems as if had he simply um admitted the uh, the relation he might have been better off yeah i think he makes it worse by by lying um w- what's interesting here is that his father 
immediately assumes guilt. Um, <laughs> you know, he says, it's not enough that you neglect your studies when you're at home. It seems that you also go perpetrating enormities outside. Um, um, this bijou I've been hearing about is under the patronage of His Royal Highness, the Prince of Zhongshun. How could you have been? How could you? How could you have the unspeakable effrontery to commit an act of enticement on this person, involving me, incidentally, in the consequences of your wrongdoing? Um, and yeah, that's where he. It's after that that he denies it, but. Um, I do think it's interesting that he he immediately thinks, "Yep, sounds like my son." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh... Do you think? Um, because we know that they've met once, but do you think that there's been quite a lot of other like they must have met quite a few more times, kind of in the background, and we've not heard about it. Right. That's how. Uh, that's I, I think the uh, the magical time of this novel on coming in. You can imagine. Mm. I think it's effective that you know there are these kind of loose ends and these sort of like things happening off, off screen. It, it creates mm -hmm. for a more um, believable, like you really feel like you're in a, in a real space, you know, you don't see, mm -hmm. you know, you know, the, the mountains rendering. So Bao Yu swears ignorance um, of both Bijou and the, the enticement that his father uh, accuses him of. And the, the Chamberlain just laughs coldly at this. You know, he says, "There's, uh, there's no need to, to hide things from us." You know. <laughs> he says, "There, there really is no point in concealment, young gentleman." You know. He and he basically he's he's saying it's much better to just confess now and save us all a lot of trouble because we'll find the answer in the end. And Bayou says, "No, I I don't know. It must be just a a, a rumor, just a you know." A kind of myth. He uses this term, Erchuan. Um There was a comment in this conversation to the effect of, because you know the the Jia family is this high status, like kind of you know entity in the community, uh, that they they actually they can't without uh, Jia Zheng's permission search the premises. But the implication is that's what they've been doing to the other houses that they uh, they visit. Yeah, uh, yeah, and so you you can imagine just going house by house, turning them, you know, down. checking beneath the floorboards, kind of thing. Uh, and so mm. there's some like there's some hintings of a, of a very kind of um, extensive sort of uh, like security apparatus, basically. Um, yeah, it's quite menacing, definitely. And so Bayou having denied a second time, the Chamberlain then responds that he can prove that Bayou knows him, and is of course, as you suggested by the belt he's wearing. Yep. <laughs> um, you know, he says, perhaps you could explain how it is that you're wearing Bijou's belt around the waist. <laughs> and, and Bayou is kind of dumbstruck at this. Um, literally, it says it's like his soul had left his body. Hong Um But thinking fast, he says, oh, well, if you know a small thing like this, then how could you have missed this much larger thing, which is that Bijou has recently bought some land um, to the east of the city with a with a little house on it. So he's probably there if you search there. Um, mm. And so the Chamberlain says, well, we'll go look there. But if we don't find him, rest assured that we'll be back uh, to take, you know, for further instructions, basically. And I think with that, he, he departs, right? Yeah. Um, 
but not without not without Jajong instructing instructing him to stay exactly where he is and not move an inch. Thank you. 